listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of ESL Talk. I'm Daniel. And I'm Faye. In today's episode, we're going to cover the topic of teaching certifications, licensing, and qualifications you might need to teach ESL, either online or in a school. Yes, and our guest today, Karina, is a very experienced teacher trainer here in Canada. So she's going to be able to share some insights about what the different qualifications are and what you might need to get. Yeah, it's a really common question that we hear a lot. And I think it's, you know, it's very important that teachers know what certifications and what qualifications they might need. Mm -hmm. um, in our journeys, both as native and non-native teachers, we've, we've had to obtain a lot of different qualifications and certifications um, to improve our English teaching abilities. Mm -hmm. So um, Faye, when it comes to your um, teaching certifications and qualifications, can you tell me a little bit about the process you've gone through so far? Yeah, I mean, for me, as you mentioned, as a non-native uh, English teacher, it's been a little bit different. Um, I started out teaching in Brazil and no qualification was needed there, really. Um, I can't really say what it's like right now because it's been over 10 years. But at the time, if you could speak the language fluently, basically you could teach it. So um, a few years later, when I moved to Canada, I enrolled in a TESOL diploma program, which is basically here, it's considered one level above a certificate, um, a TESOL certificate. So in the end, that diploma took me longer than I expected. And I ended up taking the one month certificate while I was doing the diploma, just so I could get back into teaching. Right. Uh, more quickly. I was actually had a, a job prospect and they said, oh, we'll wait till you're done. So I'm like, well, let's speed things up then. <laughs> so I ended up getting both. <laughs> and then finally, a few years later, I went for the master's degree um, through the University of Leicester, which is coincidentally, I believe the same one you did. Yes. Um, spoiler alert for our listeners. <laughs> uh, and I completed that in 2017, I believe. As did I. Oh, yeah. So there we go. We were probably yeah. we were probably in the same uh, intake and we had no idea. Right. We could have been. Well, what was your journey like? Was it 
slightly different or yeah definitely um initially my um yeah initially my interest was in teaching but it was more in sports and physical education side so I really wanted to be a, a sports and a PE teacher that was my kind of goal when I was young um, that's interesting because up. I did a design bachelor's degree as well mm-hmm. so we both started out uh, not in that field yeah so my kind of background it was still teaching but it was more physical mm-hmm. education and sports teaching and I did, played a lot of football or soccer if depending where we are in the world, uh, coached a lot of that. And I really enjoyed that. But sadly, what was happening at that time is that there was a change in the government around 2010 uh, in the Mm. UK. And the the, uh, Olympics were in in London as well in 2012. So there's a lot of funding and and, um, a lot of effort put into recruiting and retaining a lot of sports and PE teachers. Unfortunately, Mm. the government changed and the new government didn't want to fund that anymore. And that Uh. led to a huge surplus of PE and sports teachers. So I thought, well, you know what, let's go travel, let's go explore, let's try a new adventure. So I went out to South Korea to teach English there. Um, I did complete Mm -hmm. a TESOL um, certificate before. Wasn't anything, you know, advanced or major, but once I was out in Korea, I kind of realized that I need to improve my skills, improve my understanding and my, you know, pedagogy when it came to teaching English. So I did the, um, first did the TESOL certification, and then I applied for the master's, the, the, um, in TESOL and Applied Linguistics at the University of Leicester, the same as yourself, Faye. Um, mm-hmm. Started that whilst I was in Korea and then came back to the UK, completed that. I then did a PGC, which is a teaching um, certification in English as well. So I had those kind of two certifications there, those two master's um, level certifications there. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Canada, I did the TESOL diploma as well, like yourself, mm-hmm. um, to kind of enhance my um qualifications and bring me up kind of to where I needed to be um, and then as we mentioned in, in a previous episode we have the different standards or the different levels in Canada so now I think now we're both that level three standard then I think that's a really good place mm-hmm. to be and um, yeah I think it was just the case that if I'm going to teach something I want to be able to do it well and I want to have the you know the fundamental knowledge and the skills Precisely. and the, the techniques as well. So that's a little bit about my motivation. Um, Faye, what was your motivation to obtain these um, qualifications? Was it for your own development or because yeah, of work? I feel like it, it, we had different but very similar journeys in, in <laughs> the sense of uh, why we felt the need to get the qualifications we did. Um, like when I moved to Canada, firstly, I felt like I really had to prove myself as a non t- non-native teacher, which is kind of sad looking back. And I know a lot of non-native teachers feel that way if you're listening to us. You shouldn't. Um, that should not be um, what defines you as a teacher. Uh, but I felt the need to prove myself. So I decided to get the diploma instead of the certificate right off the bat. And I ended up having to get the certificate anyway for practical reasons in that case. But then when I got my master's, just like you said, I kind of felt like I, I lacked that theoretical base to back up my teaching, right? And uh, my bachelor's degree was in in something completely unrelated. So I really wanted to, to feel more confident in what I was doing. And I also looked at the job prospects here in Canada. If you wanted to teach in a college or university, you you had to have a master's, right? Mm-hmm. Or you still do have to have a master's level right. in education. So yeah, that was kind of like my motivation was both to feel more confident in what I was doing and also to improve my career prospects, at least here. And the distance degree really helped also with the flexibility because I was already working full time at the time. And I believe you were too in Korea, right? So it kind of mm-hmm. helps 
um, to kind of make your own schedule for your for your study time. Absolutely. Um, but what you were teaching in Korea and then in the UK and in Canada, was that kind of the same same for you? Yeah, or- I mean for it was it was kind of a little bit of a prerequisite to start because obviously going to Korea, you know, the, the requirements were basically you had to be a native speaker, which mm-hmm. is mm, still a little bit, you know, I, I don't really know if that's the best best way to recruit <laughs> good teachers, but that was one requirement. As long as you had a bachelor's and you completed a TESOL certification, then you were good to go. So initially it was just kind of to tick those boxes and to have a little bit of a, an, a, a grounding, a little bit of a foundation to start from. Um, but then once I realized Realized that teaching English was something I really enjoyed and something that I thought I could pursue. Then I obviously started the master's. Um, when I came back to the UK, I continued that and I needed the... I didn't need the master's, but it was just really helpful and really, you know, it was kind of a statement of this is the path that I'm going down now. I can Mm -hmm. support that with my PGC, which is my teaching certification. So I'm qualified at teaching it as well as having all the theoretical knowledge as well. Mm -hmm. And then moving to Canada, again, like you said, um, for most not all, but most um, universities or higher education um, institutes, you would need a master's kind of just to kind of get yourself through through the door, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then having that TESOL diploma on top of that, I think it's just another way to kind of make you stand out from the crowd because especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to the field of English teaching, we're in a very competitive market and there's a lot of people doing this. So Mm -hmm. whatever you can do to differentiate yourself and to help you have a little bit of an edge and have a little bit more uh, knowledge is is really helpful as well. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how they've got me to where I am today. But how have your qualifications and you know, educational background helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, well, the, like I said, the certificate was required basically for me to get my first ESL mm. teaching job in Canada. They actually said, we'll wait till you're done to hire you because if you're, if you want to teach in Canada, if you want to teach at an accredited school, which is basically accredited by Languages Canada that kind of oversees yep. these um, language schools, you, you have to have at least a certificate. Then later, after I completed my diploma, that made me qualify to teach the same TESOL certificate program that I took uh, because it was a level two certification or, or degree. And then that would allowed me to teach level one. And then in that same school, they had a TESOL program. And I, I actually was able to become a teacher trainer having done that. And then finally with the master's, I was able to get a job at a college uh, teaching EAP, so English for Academic Purposes. So all of the certifications and uh, qualifications I got definitely um, had some um, effect Mm -hmm. on on the jobs I got and and all the the variety of experiences I've had, right? And I think I would, I would think I would say that, you know, if they are required for a job, don't just try to do every single course that's out there, make sure that it serves a purpose and it's going to help you get to where you are. But obviously when you are doing that study, make the most of it and try to take out and extract everything that you can to help you. Absolutely. Again, on this on this topic of qualifications and having the right qualifications, like we've both touched upon, why is it important for online ESL teachers to be qualified mm. and have good qualifications to support them? Because I'm sure you, like me, we see all these job postings and it mm-hmm. seems like the barriers are very low, but does that translate to good teaching? I'm not so sure. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a tricky one. I mean, I can only speak from personal experience, but as someone who started teaching in a very unregulated environment um, in Brazil, in my case, um, it was very similar, I feel, to the online teaching setting nowadays. It's basically, I'm a native speaker or I'm a very fluid speaker Mm -hmm. and I can teach it, right? So 
for me personally, it was very difficult at the beginning. I really kind of felt like a fraud uh, at first because, I mean, I was young and inexperienced, but also I, I had no idea where to start. And they basically threw me in the classroom with a course book and you're like, I'm just going to wing it. And and make it's it interesting. That, it. Right. And, and that yeah. is a huge thing. I always told my trainees, fake it till you make it, obviously, mm-hmm. always. <laughs> but because um, it's it's acting, right? Teaching is acting. If you act confident, your, your students will believe you are. But also, it's interesting that a few years ago, I went back to Brazil to visit family and I found a little notebook with all my lesson plans from when I started teaching. And I was horrified. I did so many of the things that I always told my trainees never to do. And I don't have any memory of being a bad teacher myself. You know, it's like you don't remember really how well or badly you taught, but I could see looking back, I'm like, yeah, I definitely have become a better teacher as a result of my qualifications now uh, experience as well. But I think a lot of things really helped me get to where I am and, and, and all of the teaching, uh, sorry, the training I've done helped. And you're basically going in blind if you don't have that. So I do think um, it's not necessary to get, get that qualification, but it's definitely advisable in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah. So I'll try to apply this to the context that I think might be useful for our listeners of that. I I do teach independently on a a teaching platform online um, and there's thousands and thousands of English teachers. And a lot of them always say, you know, I try to contribute to the community, to the forum, and we get into a lot of discussion and it's a lot of how can I make more money? How can I get more students? How can I attract more students? You know, are they going to judge me if I'm not a native speaker? And I always say that, and even for me, looking back, like you said, I, I, going back to my first lessons, I think, what was I doing? I had no mm-hmm. idea. And, you know, the expression that comes to mind is you don't know what you don't know. And what what that yeah. what I'm trying to say by that is when you're at the bottom, you kind of think of like a, of a pyramid or at the bottom level and there's everyone there and there's everything going on. And there's just this kind of mass of, of everyone on the same level, the same kind of entry point. But the more you climb that ladder, the more you get your you know, TESOL, so your TESOL certification, and then maybe you do a master's and then maybe you do a Delta or a CELTA and you keep climbing up there, the clearer things become, the more you can see, the more you can structure things and plan things and put together lessons and and teach in a way that's going to connect with your learners because a lot of a lot of teaching is, is making a connection with the learner, mm-hmm. um, helping them see the value of what you're teaching them and helping them connect it to themselves. And that takes time, that takes patience, that takes knowledge, that takes learning. Um, you know, obviously you need to have some natural abilities and a lot of teachers are wonderful at doing that. And just because you have all these qualifications doesn't mean you're an amazing teacher right. because I've seen it on both sides. So mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of having the right, having the right knowledge and having the right experience and putting those together and as you go by and slowly start to put the pieces together then that will help you to be successful absolutely yeah and you mentioned this a little bit but do you think having those qualifications reflect on how quickly your students achieve their goal do you absolutely. think that that's a direct I mean, effect if i if i know if i know about an area really well and i'm teaching that area every day and i'm reading about that area and researching it and you know teaching it and 
going on this cycle continuously, then my efficiency, my effectiveness is going to improve. Mm -hmm. And I've mentioned this a thousand times in lots of our episodes, but feedback is crucial. Um, It's not always easy if you're teaching by yourself, maybe you're teaching online, but get feedback from a peer, get feedback from a friend, even if it's someone who isn't a teacher and ask them, you know, what do you think about this? Or what do you think Mm -hmm. about this activity? Would you enjoy this? And getting feedback from the students. I sometimes throw off my students and they get a little bit confused or they think it's some kind of trick or something (laughs) yeah when I kind of ask them you know so how do you feel about your learning or what would you like to do more of or what's working for you what isn't working for you Mm -hmm. because I think that's a really crucial element and if you have the knowledge and the skills and the experience then you can you can easily tweak things and adapt things so you're more effective so that would be my advice I think yeah, and that's something I believe qualifications help you get. It's that self-awareness for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we're just getting started with today's uh, discussion on qualifications and teaching certifications. So we're going to move on to our interview for today and welcome our guest Karina to the podcast. Hello, Karina. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be able to participate. Yeah, it's great to have you and we're really excited for our talk. So why don't we start by uh, you briefly telling us a little bit about your teaching journey so far? Okay, so I've been teaching for 27 years now. Don't try to guess my age. (laughs) I started very young um, as a sub teacher for school subjects. And um, once you start teaching, you just fall in love with it. And Mm -hmm. that's what happened to me. Um, Then when I was doing my degree, I started teaching English because I am passionate about the language and also because I wanted to have a job. Uh, That was my first thought. I want to have a job and let's try teaching English. And then I fell in love with uh, teaching the English language. And um, my, uh, while I was doing my degree, I started doing a, a TDC in Brazil that is called a teacher's development course. And um, after I finished uh, this course, I was hired by um, the school uh, as an English teacher. And I taught in different contexts in um, regular schools and language schools. And then when I moved to Canada, I took my TESOL course and I taught um, international students. So I have experience in different contexts with different levels and also different age groups. Great. Um, And could you tell us a little bit more about um, how you got into more the teacher training side of things? When I, um, when I moved to Vancouver and I took uh, the TESOL course, I noticed that one of the classrooms, the students were having uh, an extension of the program that was a young learner program. And one of the things that I love the most is teaching kids. So 
I got very interested in that program and I felt like joining, but not as a student, as a teacher, because I hold a bachelor in education and uh, um, teaching very young learners um, post-graduation course, the certification. So I felt like, hmm, I want to join. I want to teach kids. I want to show what I can do. I want to share. And then um, as soon as I had the opportunity to do it at school, I, I offered myself, um, um, I told my, um, the director of studies at the school about my certification, about my interest. And then I started teaching um, the Young Learners Training Program. And after uh, I had some experience training the students to teach kids, I thought to myself, well, if I can't do this, why can't I teach uh, the trainees uh, how to teach English as well? And then I went uh, and looked for some information about how to become a trainer. I did some um, uh, training sessions, shadowing, and then that's when they um, uh, suggested uh, the Delta course. Mm-hmm. And then I simply love it. Wow. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that journey. It sounds like you've had a real blend of ages and types of teaching. So it's it's always great to, you know, try to teach as many different Um, ages and abilities as possible I think it really adds to your teaching ability so while we're talking about certifications and qualifications um, Karina why is it more important than ever for teachers to be well qualified especially when it comes to teaching English effectively Uh, in my experience because when I started teaching English um, I just okay I want to have a job and I like English why not teach English right Um, And I noticed that with all the training courses that I have taken, um, it raises awareness. So after teaching, I have experience. Now I want a certification. Um, You're able to compare your old attitudes and your new attitudes toward your students' uh, learning process. Um, Why are you teaching what you're teaching the way you're teaching so all the why questions came to me Uh, why do you do this first why do you do this second why do you do this third what happens if you mix the order Um, so when I uh, did my TESOL certification here in Canada um, I came with the feeling like I'm a very experienced teacher and it's going to be a piece of cake, <laughs> but then it wasn't. Uh, uh, it was hard. It was tough for me to open my mind to um, to the structure itself, and like, oh, but I do this. I do this when I'm teaching, but now I know why. Mm-hmm. I know why I do this, and I know how important it is to have a focus, and I know how important it is to do uh, things in a certain order, in a logical order. Mm -hmm. It's important to have an aim for your lessons, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, you've touched on a very important point there is that 
a lot of teachers don't always reflect or ask themselves those questions and you know a really important part of improving and learning more as a teacher is being reflective being able to assess your your teaching what went well maybe what didn't go well so i definitely would be an advocate of that approach and, and asking all those w questions for sure as well yeah even yeah. like like i said as an experienced teacher even like going back and thinking about how you teach is very valuable mm-hmm. um but what, what do you think are some potential problems with non-qualified or non-certified teachers when they're teaching ESL? Just like you started out without a qualification. What do you think could be some problems that other people might have if they do the same? Um. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today hey dave yeah randy since we founded bombus we've always said our socks underwear and t-shirts are super soft Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I can think about the, the students that I, the trainees that I've had mm-hmm. um, that have no experience. Mm-hmm. And um, for example, uh, the way you respond to your students' responses, the way you give them feedback, mm-hmm. right? Um, appropriate ways of giving feedback depending on, on your aim for that task. So why are you doing the speaking task? What are you trying uh, to help your students with? Is it accuracy? Is it fluency? If it's fluency, you can't stop them mm-hmm. every time they make a mistake. So how do you uh, how do you give feedback? How do you react? I'd say how do you react to your students' mistakes? And also um, the focus uh, when you're working with cert- certain skills um, as listening or reading the receptive skills how um how do you start are you following the course book the course book guides you 
But if you're preparing some classes with authentic materials, if you want to use newspaper, a newspaper mm -hmm. article, how do you plan the lesson? What is the structure for a reading lesson? What mm -hmm. do you do first? So I feel like if you don't have this knowledge, if you're not um, uh, certified, if you haven't uh, done any training, you would be lost. Yeah. And you might end up frustrated because your students were not able to do the tasks mm -hmm. and the students will be frustrated like oh right yeah. like i can't do this and in the end um it's kind of snowballs good... right yeah and... mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's, you know, I think a lot of a lot of teachers just assume, well, I can speak English well, so I can probably teach mm -hmm. English well, and those, you know, doesn't always translate that way. So I think no. it's, yeah. it's really important to be aware of those things when you're getting started. So, you know, for teachers that are getting started, or maybe they they they're thinking about teaching English for the first time, what would be the first step or the first steps that they can take in order to get those qualifications or certifications? Um. I highly recommend um, going for a TESOL um, certification or a CELTA certification. Both the TESOL and the TESOL are um, level one certifications. So they are for students, uh, for teachers uh, or trainees who have um, no experience in teaching or little experience in teaching. And they mm -hmm. will, at, at the same time as they learn about how to teach certain skills and systems of the language, they can also practice. And mm -hmm. then they, they get feedback from the tutor. Uh, so it's a very uh, intensive, but a very helpful course. Mm -hmm. So I would highly recommend, um, even if you have a degree um, in, in teaching a language, I think that a TESOL or a CELTA course is very helpful. Um, as it raises your awareness mm -hmm. on, on so many important aspects when teaching a class. Yeah, and you touched on that. Um, so in Canada, at least, we know that, as you said, TESOL, a TESOL certificate and a CELTA are both level one kind of similar ideas. Now, does it matter what kind of TESOL certificate you get? Because there are lots out there, right? A lot of different kinds of TESOL certificates floating around. So yes. uh, does it matter? Is there anything in particular that you should avoid or look for in a TESOL certificate? So I'd say look for uh, one course th that is um, accredited. Hmm. Uh, so if you want to go for a TESOL course, go to Languages Canada website if you want to teach in Canada and look for a course that is recognized by Languages Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and also, uh, I would highly recommend a course that has a practicum component because mm -hmm. some courses are theoretical and you just go and study and, and then you go and apply what you have learned. But how do you know if you're applying it correctly? Um, you're not able to, it's really hard uh, to notice what you're doing, to reflect on what you're doing while you are doing. So it's mm -hmm. always good to have somebody to observe, to give you some feedback, uh, someone you can talk to. So that's why I think that um, having the practicum component is, is 50% of it because mm -hmm. you will have a trainer, you will be observed, you will have feedback from your trainer, you'll be able to reflect and change things. Mm -hmm. So... I'd say uh, accreditation and practicum. 
Okay. And I guess that's also good for our listeners that are not in Canada. I'm sure you can find out what the requirements are for getting accredited in your country, right? Something like Mm -hmm. Languages Canada probably exists, especially in English-speaking countries. Yes, Um, for sure. And can you now tell us a little bit about the differences between a CELTA and a DELTA and why these are so highly regarded? These are like everywhere you go in the world where English is taught. Everybody knows or talks about a CELTA and a DELTA. What's the difference between those two? So the CELTA is, um, as I mentioned before, a course for teachers who have little or no experience. And here it is considered a level one uh, teaching certification. It's a very intensive course. Uh, It's a one month course, uh, but it has a practicum component to it. And um, the Delta is for teachers who um, are experienced and it's a course that they consider a diploma level um, course. Um, CELTA is level one and DELTA is a level seven um, in, in their chart, right? The, the Delta, Cambridge chart, sorry to interrupt you, but that's yes. in the Cambridge chart. chart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for Languages Canada, if you want to apply for a Languages Canada uh, membership it's I don't know if it will be a seven but it's a higher um a higher I believe it's uh, a level. three right yeah there's three like... levels and the, the delta or the TESOL diploma which is the equivalent is a level three yeah mm-hmm. um status it's like a, it's it's what a master's would be as well yeah, yeah. yes mm-hmm. so uh the delta is done in three different modules um the first module is um an exam and it's about uh approaches about the systems and the skills of the language uh, assessment and about language acquisition and language teaching so it's a very theoretical um, module you can do it uh, you can just take the exam or you can prepare yourself for every module there is a preparation if you want to go to a center and prepare for it and it usually takes about three months to prepare and then um, go for uh, the, the exam itself. So I'd say the CELTA is a one month course training and the Delta would be something like, I'd say a year, nine, nine to 12 months, I say. There is a lot of reading. So why do they consider it uh, at a diploma level? Because there is a lot of reading and also uh, the tests. They're very uh, challenging tests. So yes. they compare the, the Delta tests to a master's um, mm-hmm. type of tests, right? Mm-hmm. The reading and and the second module is uh, there is a practical component to it, mm. and you have to write essays and four essays around uh, twenty five hundred words, and also a final assignment, uh, also twenty five hundred words, and the third module is um, a module in which you have to have a group of students and you have to do needs analysis. You choose a specialism, you choose an area, uh, teaching multilingual classes or teaching um, business classes or um, teaching monolingual classes or multilingual Mm -hmm. classes. So there are lots of things to choose from. And... Um, but they sort of limit your choices. Is that right? They give you, you a set of choices. 
Yeah. So they limit and you pick one and mm-hmm. then you need a group of students. You need to do needs analysis mm-hmm. and then uh, you design a course mm-hmm. for this uh, group of students based on their needs and based on the principles of teaching uh, the specialism that you went. So for the second module, it is externally assessed as well. So you need to go for a center. For the mm-hmm. first and the second, you don't. Uh, you can do it um, on your own. But uh, a tutor's feedback is always welcome, I'd say, if you mm-hmm. can get some help. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second module, you will need a local tutor. And then they have a Cambridge examiner coming to observe one of your classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything that is Cambridge related is internally and externally assessed. Mm-hmm. That's why it is so uh, uh, well known and accepted anywhere because it has the Cambridge standards. Yeah. What they do here is what they do in any other part of the world mm-hmm. and they have uh, they're very strict with their criteria and and the assessment mm-hmm. so and the delta course is for so before you go for the delta you think why why do i want to have a delta mm-hmm. it's usually because you want to be a teacher trainer and mm-hmm. if, if you want to be a teacher trainer you can go for a delta and if you have a, a master's degree and you apply to be, for example, a CELTA trainer, they will ask you uh, uh, probably to go for a Delta module two. So what would be the difference between a master's and a Delta, for example? Sometimes the practical component. The practical component mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you yeah. have a master's and you want to be a CELTA trainer, Mm-hmm. Um, depending on your application and your uh, uh, experience and qualification, they might ask you to do the second uh, mm-hmm. module. Okay, interesting. Wow, it's quite a detailed process. I know when I did my um, TESOL diploma, it was, wasn't quite a Delta. It's a lot of similar characteristics in the same organization. Mm-hmm. And I only had three months to do it. So it was, like you said, it was very, very <laughs> intensive and it's, very yeah. difficult. But the practicum was the most fun part. And it, it really made a difference because even though I've been teaching for 10 years, still to get that feedback and to get someone else to share their ideas and, and their perspectives was was really valuable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is. It's great for everyone. Um, so Karina, when it comes to teaching in you know Western countries um, and teaching formally in places like Canada, the UK, the US, what are the levels of certification accepted? And, and does, does this differ for native and non-native teachers? Because I, I always hear a lot from non-native teachers that I'm just as qualified as a native uh, teacher or I've done the same courses or even a lot of times they've done more in more, terms of yeah. educating. But there seems to be this disparity. So in these environments like Canada, the US, the UK, um, what are the levels of certification needed to, to be able to teach in these settings? I'd say that... Um uh nowadays uh i think that the english language teaching um environment has been changing a lot regarding native and non-native um teachers uh there's been some progress (laughs) uh in in hiring and accepting and being more open um to teachers who are not native speakers and i feel like here in canada um it is quite open. Um, 
there is, it comes from the, the demand of the students, right? The students who want to come and the students have this mentality that I want to have a native teacher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yes. I guess that that counts a lot, right? So, um, but in terms of certification, I'd say um, uh, a language training course and a degree. When I... Um, hire instructors and when I interview, when I select resumes, I always look for the language training course on top of the degree that they have. So if they have a degree in, in teaching a language, um, and it can be their native language, teaching German as a second language or teaching Portuguese as, as, as a second language, if they have that component in their degree, uh, and they have the practical part that is the, mm -hmm. um, the TESOL or uh, a training, uh, then I, I feel like it's the perfect combination to have a degree and uh, a language training uh, certification. Mm -hmm. Would you say that a, a master's degree is essential these days? Because I feel like to get your foot in the door to a lot of institutions and schools, a, a master's is kind of the minimum. Would you say that's the case or not really? It depends on the institution. Mm -hmm. um, so for language schools um i don't i feel like it's okay not to have a master's mm -hmm. uh for colleges if you want to teach in a college or if you want to go higher than that then you need of course masters and maybe even more but um uh, if you're starting your career and it, you were looking into uh teaching in a small uh language school I'd say that a master is not, um, if you have a degree and if you have a, a, a CELTA or a TESOL course um, and the years of experience you have, they count as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think you, it, it's a good start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's encouraging. That's good to know. Yeah. Is, it, uh, is it right, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if a language school, a private language school is accredited by Languages Canada, do you need to have a level one certificate? Is that it to be hired, to be considered for the job? You do. You do. Mm -hmm. That's because like a minimum. They, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that would be a CELTA or a TESOL certificate. Uh, yes. A CELTA okay. or a TESOL. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Now, in terms of, of your experience, how do you think your qualifications, all this like varied types of courses you've taken over the years in different orders where it might not be the most logical order you've done them in. Uh, well, how do you think they have helped you to become a better teacher? Um, they've helped me make a better use of my time in class, uh, not to waste my time and to waste students' time with, uh, with tests that can be fun, but they're not really related to the topic. And also, I can say that the awareness that I have now about how we, um, how we learn things, even in our own first language, and how we learn uh, a second language, and what else? And some, some uh, even some classroom management uh, issues I've had, um, students not really responding to what I was asking. And then I had feedback from the tutor when I was doing the Delta. 
Like you have to give them roles. If you don't tell them what to do, how can they know? They are mm-hmm. waiting for you. So these things that de- and especially when like I'm from Brazil and I Brazilians are very talkative and they participate. You don't even need to ask, right? Yeah. But teaching here, uh, Asian students are are I say they're quiet. They wait for your instructions. They wait mm-hmm. more for you to guide them. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I was like, okay, well, they're not really doing what's what's okay. So <laughs> let's, let's do the te- Okay. Let's start. Let's start. But who's going to start? Who is in charge? What is my role? So some mm-hmm. of, of like classroom management things and um, the, um, the sequence. So nowadays I always ask myself, why are you doing this? Why are you doing, why are you putting this stage here? Why are you doing this second? Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? So I reflect a, a way more yeah. on my, on my lesson plans, on the order, or if I can change something, or maybe they don't need this. Um, and, and the time that I use for uh, each task, mm-hmm. I'd say that I, um uh, I reflect a lot more mm-hmm. and, and I feel like the result in the end, the students are um, doing more and mm-hmm. I can have a better idea of, um, of the goals that we have achieved me as a teacher and the students as depending on what their goals are. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, definitely. I, again, it seems like the more experience we have, the more reflective we become and oh, that yeah. <laughs> guides our practice a lot more, which is, which is wonderful. It's good advice for anyone. Um, so just finally, Karina, talking about teaching online, um, what advice would you give to teachers who are getting started teaching English online? Because there is a lot of opportunities there right now for a lot of teachers mm-hmm. to start teaching online. And should they get a certification before doing this? Because it seems like the barriers for entry are quite low. It's just having a degree and perhaps being a native speaker or living in an, in, in a native country. These seem to be the requirements for some places. So what would be your advice for teaching online, Karina? Um, teaching online can be quite frustrating if you're not prepared for it. So I'd say you don't need to, it depends on how comfortable you are with technology. It depends on how experienced you are because there are lots of things for you to manage during an online class so on top of managing the students and the learning and the class itself um, you have to um, make sure that the listening is working that you can listen can the students listen did you press this did you press that breakout rooms how do you put them in breakout are they with the same partner so there are so many things on top of the teaching I feel like mastering the online teaching comes with experience and there are lots of uh, I think free resources workshops so many things that you can do before you start teaching online so think about your classes how can you get the students to do collaborative work in an online class how can you get the students to interact more in an online class you don't want to be to go from a student-centered type of class that is in person is very easy to do to a teacher-centered class online. You want the students to keep practicing and uh, interacting um, as, as much as possible. So I'd say workshops and um, reflect 
uh, on what type of lesson you want your students to have and um, and Google the tools, online tools. There are lots of uh, uh, teachers that have YouTube channels nowadays and they, mm -hmm. and they can give you tips and they can teach you how to use the tools uh, to have an effective class online. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say like go for a certification, but try, try mm -hmm. first and see how it goes. Uh, do your homework. Uh, practice, practice with a friend before you go and teach a class. Uh, there are many amazing online tools uh, for teaching a language nowadays. And I think it's, it's doable, enjoyable, and you can give it a try. <laughs> mm -hmm. While That's it's good. not on demand, like you need to have an online certification. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Thank you so much, Karina. That's all we have time for today. But thank you so much for joining us. And we really appreciate um, you sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with us today. Yeah, that's okay. great. Thank you. Thank you very all right. much. All right. Thanks, Karina. It was great to learn from you today. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest episodes each Wednesday. You can follow us on Instagram at ESL Talk Podcast, or you can send us an email to ESLTalkPodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to reach out to us individually, um, you can uh, find me on Instagram at Learning with Faye. And I'm Daniel Teacher. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more ESL teaching content. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.